Doomsday 199 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, Drama of Scripture. 199 sounds like a significant number, at least a number before a significant number. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our 260 you know, readings that we've selected, and uh, we've been moving through these together as we see the storyline of Scripture unfold all the way you know, from uh, the creation uh, to the recreation uh, that we find in Christ from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And how the Bible is one seamless story, you know, that points us to Christ and uh, everything that comes before uh, the event of Christ prepares us for Christ and everything coming after the event of Christ uh, molds us in the image and shapes us uh, for anticipation of his final consummation. So we find ourselves at a low point in our story. Uh, This is a nation that uh, he has called to himself. This is the city that he has built for himself, the temple in which he has uh, manifest his presence and his glory among his people uh, will all come to nothing uh, in, in this particular chapter, and God will uh, withdraw his presence you know, from his people, which is his greatest gift. It's not the blessings of uh, the countless silver and the gold that came into the city during the reign of Solomon, but the fact that God's glory had come into the city uh, as a part of that temple. And, of course, we'll see that glory leave the city. We'll see the nation carried off into captivity. And we'll see them eagerly anticipating uh, a coming king who will restore uh, the fortunes of Israel. So we come to the final chapter in the life of, of, of Judah. And as uh, we read from Second Kings, we'll do the last couple of verses uh, in chapter 24 and then read uh, a major part of chapter 25. As always, we do this realizing we're coming into God's presence to know Him, to worship Him, to adore Him, to have our affections stirred. Uh, but more than simply, you know, gaining knowledge or having a, our affections stirred, we desire to become the people uh, that He has called us, redeemed us, created us to be, and to do the works that He has redeemed us and created and uh, called us to do. So should affect our heads, our hearts, and our and our hands. So before we read today, I'm Paul Kemp, by the way, here with Cindy Kemp, and uh, we have two of our friends here as well, uh, David Keefe and Matt Kresge. So Matt Kresge, one of my friends, because you lead us in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we, we do pray for exactly what, what Paul just said, that, that our hearts and our minds and our hands would be transformed by your word, Father, would it bear much fruit as we meditate upon it in this time? Father, we ask as we um, draw near together that you would fill us with wisdom. Um, Father, be with us. Um, we thank you for this time. God, glorify yourself among us and um, and transform us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Kings 24, verse 18. Uh, we've skipped over a couple of kings. Uh, these kings are uh, more after the heart of Manasseh than they're after the heart of David or Hezekiah or Josiah. And so we finally come to the end in verse 18. Uh, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Hamatal, uh, daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord just as Jehoiakim had done. It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah, and in the end he thrust them from his presence. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. He encamped outside the city and built siege works all around it. 
city was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine in the city had become so severe that there was no food for the people to eat. Then the city wall was broken through, and the whole army fled at night through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden, though the Babylonians were surrounding the city. They uh, fled toward Arabah, uh, but the Babylonian army pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him and scattered, and he was captured. He was taken to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where sentence was pronounced on him. They killed the sons of Zedekiah and before his eyes. Then they put out his eyes, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. On the seventh day of the fifth month, in the nineteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar's king of Babylon, uh, Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard and official of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building was burned down. The whole Babylonian army, under the command of the imperial guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, carried into exile the people who remained in the city, along with the rest of the populace and those who had deserted the king of uh, Babylon. But the commander left behind some of the poorest people of the land to work the vineyards and the fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars, the movable stands, and the bronze sea uh, that were at the temple of the Lord, and they carried the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the wick trimmers, the dishes, and all the bronze articles used in temple service. The commander of the imperial guard uh, took away the censers and sprinkling bowls, all that were made of pure gold and silver. The bronze from the two pillars, the sea, and the movable stands which Solomon made for the temple of the Lord was more than could be weighed. Its pillar was 18 cubits high. The bronze capital on top of one pillar was three cubits high and was decorated with a network of pomegranates of bronze all around. The other pillar with its network was similar. The commander of the guard took his prisoners, Sariah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the priest next in rank, and three doorkeepers. Of those still in the city, he took the officer in charge of the fighting man and five royal advisors. He also took the secretary, who was the chief officer in charge of conscripting the people of the land, and 60 of the conscripts who were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the commander, took them all and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. There at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king had them executed. So Judah went into captivity away from her land. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, uh, the son of Shaphan, to be over the people he had left beyond Judah. When all the army officers and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah as governor, they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Dunhan, son of Keriah, Sariah, son of Tanhamuth, the Nedophite, that's a hard word to say, Nedophathite, and Jahazaniah, the son of Mahakarathite, and their men. Gedaliah took an oath to reassure them and their men, do not be afraid of the Babylon officials, he said. Settle down in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it will go well with you. In the seventh month, however, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, uh, the son of Elishama, who was of royal blood, came with ten men and assassinated Gedaliah and also the men of Judah and the Babylonians who were with Mizpah. At this, all the people from the least to greatest, together with the army officers, fled to Egypt for fear for fear of the Babylonians. So there's the ignoble end. Mm -hmm. I guess we could go ahead and read the rest of this. It's not in your uh, reading app. But in the 37th year of the exile of uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the year of Abel Marduk, uh, became king of uh, Babylon, 
He released Joachim, king of Judah, from prison. He did this on the 27th day of the 12th month. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings who were with him at Babylon. So Jehoiachim put aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life ate regularly at the king's table. Day by day, the king gave Jehoiachim a regular allowance as long as he, he lived. Uh, so the uh, author of Kings has tried to uh, at least bring us to a happy conclusion of his uh, you know, of his chronicles, and the happy conclusion is one of our kings uh, got to be at, under house arrest rather than having his eyes poked out after seeing his sons uh, die in front of him. And of course, there have already been two exiles. One, the, the nobles were taken away, and we'll you know, kind of cover that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And in the next one, everybody is taken from Jerusalem except for the poorest of the poor, and it's reduced uh, to absolutely nothing, which is a is a great tension in the story that we're going to explore in, in, in a couple of our other readings. Yeah, there's two two moments in this that stand out to me. Verse 9, he set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem, every important building he burned down. And then in um, the end of verse 21, so Judah went into captivity away from her land. Mm-hmm. You know, and so two kind of markers that you know, have, as we've been walking through the drama of Scripture, played such an important role in the life of um, you know, Israel and, and Judah, you have the temple now burned down and they're, they're now out of their land, you know, and, and those just those two things together, you know, you're signifying the people they have entered into, you know, a, a true exile. And, and we'll see these themes, you know, continue to unfold, but the people long to get back to the land. They long to have the temple rebuilt. Um, and, and then we see, even when we get to the New Testament, you know, how these images pop back up. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the themes, you know, that you see when you're reading through Scripture, you know, can kind of just fall under the headings of, uh, you know, God's people uh, in God's place under God's, uh, you know, with God's presence under God's reign. And, and, of course, all of these have come, you know, to absolutely nothing because of the sins of the people. God, is, God has uh, been faithful. He's also been deeply patient and forbearing. And as we've read in the last, you know, chapters of Second Kings, you know, that we even go into the temple and find, you know, quarters for male shrine prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how far away from God the nation has slid and how long-suffering God has been. But his, his anger, you know, his, his love will not be subdued, nor will his anger, you know, be subdued. So he's carrying out his righteous judgment over the people who have done everything and more than the people before him whom he expelled from the land and brought under judgment uh, you know, through the presence of Israel. And you see some of that tension for them in, in being exiles, um, you know, as they're taken away. And then in verse 24, they're just told, hey, don't, don't be afraid of the Babylonian officials. He said, just settle down in the land, serve the king of Babylon, and it'll go well for you. You know, like, hey, just serve this king. He'll take care of you as long as you're serving him. So there is that tension even as the people of God, as exiles, to remain faithful to the true God or to kind of set him aside as they've done so often and then begin just serving the gods of the land um, in order to, for things to just go well, which ultimately won't. Um, but yeah, you see that tension as even us as people of exile or all throughout the history is we can remain faithful to God through the difficulty of, of the position we find ourselves in or just kind of turn aside from him to obviously lesser kings. No, they, uh, they assassinate the king's appointed uh, uh, governor or ruler, and then the people are further scattered, uh, you know, both to the north and the south, uh, to Babylon and also to Egypt as they flee 
And uh, we'll find that when we come to the New Testament, we'll find uh, on the day of Pentecost, people being gathered from both of these regions where they had been scattered coming in uh, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and to be reunited as a nation from every every nation under the under the earth. Mm-hmm. This kind of reminds me, and Paul, you'll have to help me because I'm not sure if this is in Jeremiah, but that part where it talks about settle down in the land, wasn't yeah. that also where um, they were told, you know, continue planting, continue, you know, marrying, continue just living your life? Um, I mean, even in captivity, I felt like they were a part of God's grace in that, and that they were, yeah, you know, it, and of course yeah, that's a very important, welfare, yeah. you know, that's a very important idea for us, you know, as mm-hmm. a church, that we seek the welfare of the city, mm-hmm. you know, that we're here not just to enjoy the good things of the land, but we're here to uh, extend God's good grace, and so the people of Israel are called to still be mm-hmm. a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, even in another nation. Uh, they're still to carry out that creation mandate mm-hmm. of stewarding God's resources for God's glory and for the benefit of those, uh, benefit of those uh, around them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is uh, Jeremiah's word to these, uh, to these people. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, whenever the the envoy of the king promises will go well with you, not nearly as well as it, it would have gone under the hand of the Lord, a gracious mm-hmm. ruler, and uh, they'll be living in ash heap. They'll be living in poverty. Uh, but uh, they, they they won't be living in oppression if as long as they're you know, as long as they're obedient to the king. Cindy, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Sure, Father. This uh, this story reminds us that when we move ourselves, remove ourselves from under your authority and your care, um, and turn to our own way, Father, and pursue that which seems right in our own eyes. Um, there are consequences, and Father, we know that um, with consequences, Father, um, we learn, we understand that you discipline, we understand that you um, bring these consequences and, and things into our lives, but we know, Father, that you are a God of great mercy and patience and kindness, Lord, and that you continue to move and work in our lives, and so we thank you so much for that, and as the story continues to unfurl, Father, we We'll see that again in the life of um, the nation of Israel. So thank you for what we're seeing in the narrative. Thank you that it just points back to your son. Thank you that it continually reminds us that you're a God who um, is moving and working in our lives behind the scenes often, but you are there and you're in control, and we thank you for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.